Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son, discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Over yonder, I don't know what's worst, Ian making landfall or her asking to speak to a manager. It's my mom, Deb. (laughs) I'm Deb. And that makes me the guy who lived in New Orleans off and on for six years, and the only hurricane I experienced left me with the world's worst hangover. I'm her son, Kev, and this is our podcast. On today's show, we will talk hurricanes. We are going to spend some time talking about the five love languages and how and when to apply them. And Howard Schultz said Starbucks has lost its way, and we're going to prove that by talking about all their fall menu flavors. Mm. And if we have time, we'll get to the latest bizarre online trend that makes me think we should cancel humanity. But let's get into our newest reoccurring segment on Thursday, dealing with the fallout of death. Deb, you spent probably in aggregate more time in what is what was dad's office is now a spare bedroom today than you've ever spent combined before that. Well, so it is, it was originally where his office is. Yep. And so if you knew him, you would know that I was not forbidden to go in the room, but I would have been forbidden to go touch his stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that's whatever's in there is all foreign to me. He's very much like an only child that way. Very much so. And that room is at the end of a hallway that um, would be on the back of a house, the back of the house. There were double French doors in there years ago when we moved in, we had new ones put in. So that bedroom has always had, um, a deck, you know, that goes off back. I love how you're giving a layout of the room well, and the opening pe- deck. I want people to understand that everybody walks through that room constantly. What's the lighting like in that room? <laughs> the lighting's great now that he's gone because I got new lamps. Got but it. here's the thing. You walk through that room, but you're not allowed in that room. Got Does it. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So unlike unlike a grandparent's room that's covered in plastic, yeah. Dad's stuff was just covered in papers. Everywhere. He loves paper. So, um, though I would say he was a tech guy too. It's weird. Just like to cover his butt and keep everything. Yeah. Got lots of files in that room. Some would call that a hoarder. So I have a Mac. He has a PC. Certainly I have done business on a PC in years gone by, but figuring it out, I just feel like I'm a beginner. So he also, as we said before, has lots of email accounts and we're either going to find Something so creepy or another family on one know. of those. I mean, it's re- the idea of combing through anything that wasn't yours that is personal to oh. somebody else. Like when we were combing through his phone and looking at the photos, I didn't anticipate seeing anything inappropriate, and there clearly wasn't anything inappropriate, but there's still that idea that there's something looming oh, that yeah. could be inappropriate. Oh, yeah. And that's not what you want about <laughs> yeah. your late husband yeah. or father. Listen. I mean, I'm going to say that I couldn't be surprised by much, but still. Oh, there can definitely be some yeah. horrible surprises yeah. in there. there. There could, in theory, be some good surprises, there, well, but mostly horrible. I did call Social Security today. Okay. okay? And, Finally, know, we're getting to the point after we've just described the entire room. Social Security knows everything about everybody. Of course. Um. So I literally, they didn't say, are you, are, are you like Joan Zener? Are you Tracy Zener? Nobody said that. You know, 
when I gave my name and my social security with his, it all matched up, you know? Wait, I don't understand what you're saying. Why Meaning would they... like if there was another wife somewhere trying oh, to get Oh, I get something. what you're saying. You're coming back to the other family yeah, joke. So Got it. If I am, if there is another wife, they're illegitimate. Okay. Okay. They don't count. Got it. And so, but here's the thing. I mean, I don't know what he did. He didn't do anything consistently. Some stuff was on auto pay, though for some reason it didn't auto pay. I mean, I've literally been on. I begged one guy, "Don't you have a tech department in a credit card company, Citibank?" They got him because we have two Citibank cards. Couldn't you just find a way to merge those for me? Because I couldn't do it with his passwords. They did that. It just goes on and on. It doesn't yeah. stop forever. Yeah. And I mean, I really say some of the best advice I got was don't necessarily tell some of these people he's dead while you're trying to figure it out. And I think that is the best advice in the world. Sure. I just simply say, he's in the hospital. I need a little bit of help. I don't normally pay the bills and they're great. And then they wish him well. Yeah. Nobody who's on the the help desk side of any major Fortune 500 company needs that information. They just need, you, you just need them to get to the end result, which and is making things accessible. Now here's kind of a little business tip for social security. I want you to know that I worked for social security my senior year of high school and oh. the summer before I went to college. Troublesome that teenagers are working for social security. A little bit. I got to issue the cards. I sat at the front desk, I greeted people, and when you came in and wanted a social security card, the first one you got was typed. Oh. And I typed it all out and uh, gave it to you. Here's a great question. How many do you think got wrong? Oh, none. I was like Miss Perfection. How many do you think were wrong just in general coming out of there? Well, all people had to do was show me one piece of ID. Yeah. And I had a ledger that I wrote, you know, the numbers were pre-populated. Okay. And then... Oh, like this is going to be your number? Yeah, Joe Smith would come in and Joe Smith's number was there. I wrote Joe Smith. I think I had to have Joe Smith sign it. Mm -hmm. And then I would pull the... Because the number was pre-populated on the card. I oh No, I wouldn't. I would actually type the number in. They would get one in the mail that had the real number on it that was pre-pinted. Got it. And, you know, you gave it off and I did that. It was... It was a great summer job. I mean, truly, it was. Sounds like arguably the worst summer but job. But here's one of the things I thought at the time, and I was a senior in high school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pocket a couple of these, have a couple of different identities? Nope. I thought the people that work here aren't very smart. And those were real adults. Well, like I said, they were hiring a teenager in Social Security. And so I want to tell you, the bar has not been raised hey, since I was in high school. Happy to see that over 50 years consistency, baby. So the woman I spoke to on the phone today was incredibly sweet. How smart was she? Oh, dear God. Can you give me your date of birth? Can you give me your husband's date of birth? Could you give me a social security? She asked five questions at least seven times. The same five questions. So thorough. Just circled around and circled around and circled around. And then she was just on hold forever. I'd go, are you there? She goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to see if we can get you an appointment. In the end, after 48 minutes with this woman, they couldn't get me an appointment because I don't know. She doesn't know why, but none were populated on the calendar. So now like I ever. That's what I said. And she goes, well, no, it doesn't take forever. I mean, that's what I said to her. It doesn't take forever. I mean, I said like, when they call me, is it going to be, will I get an appointment in the next few days? Or is it going to be like three weeks from now? And she goes, well, why would you ask that? I don't understand because I'm looking for an appointment. So when's the next available appointment? I'm just looking here for an appointment. You have a calendar in front of you. I'm just looking for the next available appointment. Here's the appointment that I'm looking for, the next available one. Thank you. So it was unavailable today. So I had 
The 48 minutes that I was on the phone with her, I was on hold for 50 minutes before that. Oh, fun. So she said, Any you good know, music playing? No, it's awful. Is it quiet music? No, it's a. <laughs> it's terrible. So more of a merengue? <laughs> I don't, it, it, the static was so terrible. It was music. I don't know what it was. It was white noise. Hoping you fall asleep. Oh, possibly. A guy came on every once in a while and said, you can go to www.socialsecurity.gov. But when you go there, it says for this particular thing, you have to call. Oh, nice. Yeah. So nice little circle. Nice there. little circle there. So I was very nice to her because I thought she's struggling. She, you know, said, I'm so sorry for your loss. She was as sweet as can be. And um, though not the brightest person in the world. And then she said, so if you don't hear from us, I said, how am I going to hear from you? Like, what will be the method? You have my email, you have my address, you have my phone number. She goes, oh, I don't know. I think they'll, I think they'll call to set up an appointment. Oh, so now we're waiting on social security to go through their inbox and yeah. call Deb Z. To make, to make an appointment. That's not for the appointment. Vegas wouldn't even put the odds of that on the board because it is a 0.00% share. And she said, and if I don't hear from them in the next couple days. How did, why did you, well, you of all people, why did you stay on the phone with this woman? Well, because she actually filled out the report for me. She did it over the phone. But she can't even make an appointment for you. Well, what she said, and I think she must have, good, I'm trusting this part. Because if you go in and look at what you have to fill out online, it is a lot. And there's just some stuff with that. I don't even know what the answers were. I mean, they're weird questions. So what she said was, aha, yes, you're, I can see that you're eligible for a benefit. Nice. And she was super excited for me about that. And she said, here's what you're going to need for the phone call. His death certificate, Got his it. birth certificate. Got it. Got both of those. And she said, and you make sure, and this is the thing she repeated over and over, you make sure you have your checkbook there with the routing number so you can tell them where to send your benefits right away. Nice. So I felt like if those are the only three things I needed, where online I needed 142 things, mm -hmm. then I felt good. You feel like there's a discrepancy in that the lady who had to ask you the same question 37 times told you you only needed three things and online it said you needed 140 things? Well, but here's the thing that I really fail to understand. Everything that they ask you is about data they have. Sure, they're just confirming it. But they have it. But they're confirming you are who you are. Literally, there is a program that could say, he died, he's married to her, she's still working, this is the benefit she's eligible for, start sending the money. Yeah, but what about that as bureaucratic? Or what about that as customer-focused? Sure. Yeah. So not yeah, at all. The bureaucracy, it makes it so that it has to be difficult. Like there is nothing fluid about working with the federal government. So the best service I got today, the best service I got out of everybody today was a really nice fellow from India. Oh, nice. Who combined two credit cards. I mean, combined, just put the accounts Love it. on the same place for me. And the lady from Truckee Meadows Water Authority. Oh, what'd she do for you? She was just, I didn't have an account number. You didn't know what the account number was? No. Nope. And so, so you just I couldn't needed pay the bill. it? I just, so I called and I said, I just don't have an account number. What lie did you say? I said, I don't have an account number. You just said, hey, I don't have an account number. Oh. And she didn't say, why wouldn't you just ask your husband whose name's oh, on the account? This is what I said. Okay, there was a lie. Yeah, I said, clearly there was I a said, lie. Hi, my name's Deborah Zener. My husband is in the hospital. And I'm paying the bills for the first time. Got it. And I don't want to take this stuff up to the hospital and bug him. So 
here's his name, here's his address, and I know we owe you money and I want to pay it. Got it. And she was like, oh, okay, let me get the account number. It was the, I know we owe you money. Maybe that was it. She didn't care about the hospital thing. She didn't thing. care about anything. Yeah, she didn't. I, she did not wish him well. No, she yeah. did not wish him well. She was just wishing that money would come faster. But she was like, here it is, lady, who I don't know if you're real or not, Yeah. but you're giving us your money. Well, and you just moved up a slot because I also had to go to the financial planner mm-hmm. and all of our money there was frozen, which was fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the beneficiary of all dad's things. Right. And so all that is going to be changed in my name now. Oh, nice. And they said, well, you know, we're going to need to get Kevin in here. Because he just, and I think she was trying to be careful with her language, he just moved up a slot. Yeah. You were like the second beneficiary, Ooh. and now you've moved up to the first one. Real Game of Thrones vibes yeah. over here, yeah. next yeah. in line for the Iron but Throne. I'm just saying, people, for people that are in grief, mm-hmm. this is a lot. It's exhausting. Uh, I had a question, and now I, I absolutely forget what I was going to say, but it was going to be a really really good and poignant question. Oh, so wait, how did you leave it with the the gal that social security is going to call you? Yeah. Social security. Well, I mean, can we take, can we take a bet on that? Sure. Like I say no chance. Well, here's the problem. The phone isn't going to say social security. You got to answer everything. I got to answer everything for a while. I've got to answer all the spam. When I was at the financial planner, I said, excuse me why I answered this spam just in case it's social security. Is it social security based in Nevada? So at least they're going to call you in like normal oh, West Coast I don't hours? Think so. She was not from Nevada for so, sure. So you, you, in theory, could get a phone call at 5 a.m. I know. I've got to have to leave my phone on, huh? I'm just wondering how they do that because tell me that wouldn't be the most like government related thing is like, well, we operate in DC from the hours of 8 AM to 4 PM Eastern standard time. So if you are expecting a phone call for us, you have to be available from 5 AM to 1 AM Pacific time or to 1 PM Pacific time. That would be terrible. Well, I'm just going to have the phone on no no matter what I'm doing. I don't care if I'm on a zoom. I don't care who I'm going to answer the phone. And the I mean, appointment is if just I to know get in there is, with them? The appoint no, I don't have to go anywhere. The someone's gonna call me and go, if this works right, mm-hmm. Mrs. Zener, we have a phone appointment available for you on October twenty first. So someone's job is to schedule appointments to then in fact schedule appointments. Because she said She's supposed to have appointments available. She could, I know she wasn't in Reno because she has to go in on Reno calendars and look. Yeah. And she said, uh, doesn't look like anyone's repopulated these for a couple of days. So nothing is available. A lot of, a lot of deaths in Reno lately. Well, or All just somebody or someone's not doing their job, which falls in line with being a government employee too. Exactly. So I'm just telling you, this is frustrating. Yikes. Yeah. I when I, uh, when I walked by you three or four different times, I assumed you would be gone each and every time. And the yeah. fact that you were still there for that, as long as you were there, mind boggling. No, I was, it was going to get done. I mean, I know like I've kind of letting it dingle dangle, yeah. but it was going to get done. I think every bill got paid. I made notes as to when they're due. And so now at least until I really get them on my own schedule, yeah. um, dad has used, I mean, dad has, an old Emerald City uh, email. Oh, sure. 
Deb, then, Deb what, what about does, dad? Is, why is any of this surprising to you? He doesn't throw anything away. He Ugh. keeps everything. So what makes you think he would have gotten mm. rid of an email address that he had for 20 some odd years? I don't know. And then he, you know where it says username? You just use the same thing everywhere, right? Well, assuming you can. Assuming you can. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, these the were usernames all, should just be your email address at this well, point. That's what I think too. But then one he had, you know, the shortcut that we used to use for Emerald City. Yeah. As and at this was the water trucking water. Uh, I said, can you? She goes, I don't have access to the passwords, uh, but I can tell you his sign on. And I said, okay, what is it? And she said, uh, Gary Zener, his name. I said, like associated with any email or anything. She goes, no. Just his name is the username. And I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at, now I've been able to log into it. I'm looking at it and it's not Gary Zener. It's right in front of me and it's not Gary Zener. Have you changed things over to your name? I haven't. When are you going to do that? That just feels like a whole different day, Kevin. Or is Gary Zener going to ghost pay stuff for many decades? He might ghost pay stuff for a while. Whatever. Yeah. It's not, nobody's going to come at you and be like, hey, I see you've been paying your bills on time, but exactly. under somebody else's name, exactly, you're going to jail, lady. I mean, I did change a couple things to uh, off of our joint checking account to my checking account where I could. Yeah. Um, DirecTV would not let me change anything. I mean, DirecTV of all people. Really? Oh, I mean, they were, they were I mean, it, it was the toughest system to navigate through. DirecTV of all things. Come on, DirecTV. Help a woman out. She's grieving. You know what they, you know what they wouldn't let me change the card? I put the card in like five times and I kept thinking, oh, did I forget the code? What is it? No, they would not accept Reno as a city. Um, I put our correct zip code in. I backed out the name of our city, Reno. I repopulated it five times and it still was lit red. Got it. And like it, that was wrong. Yeah. And so it wouldn't accept the card. Uh, I wonder if because it's a particular type of service, because there's like multiple types of direct TV. Because there's direct, there's streaming and there's, there's streaming dish. and there's dish and all that other stuff. Yeah. But we have streaming. Interesting. Yeah. We hate streaming, by the way. Hate it. It's the worst. Hate it. It's the absolute worst because weather can affect it. You know what else weather can affect? Your livelihood, especially yeah. if it's in the form of a hurricane. Yeah. We are recording this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, hurricane Ian has made landfall uh, two or three hours ago. It's a Cat 5, Category Cat, Cat 4, Category 4 hurricane, which means it's the biggest hurricane imaginable. No, no, no. Strike that. It's category four. The biggest one imaginable is category five. But making landfall at category four means that it is a 150 mile per hour winds. Did you see, though, that they just uh, put a new color on? What's that? So I don't even know what you're referencing. A new color to what? So the categories and the wind speed Mm -hmm. is what determines the categories. Sure. So and I'm just making this up. I don't know what's right. So up to 10 miles or 20 miles an hour, it's like blue yeah and then it's yellow and then it's green and yeah. then it's yeah it goes it goes purple blue green yellow orange red liquid magma liquid magma is a new color they nice. just added liquid magma was added for this hurricane not great it's kind of fuchsia ish purplish oh yummy and it was added just for this because they're sure that the wind velocity is going past because what it says on each one is up to this many miles per hour. It's terrifying. And it's going to go over that. They're convinced. So already it's 150 miles mile per hour winds that are ravaging the East coast of the state. Already it's dropped something like 27 inches 
of rain, 200,000 people already without power, right? The storm surges are so bad that in people's front yards, they're sharks. Is that true? Yeah. So, do you, so here's what's interesting. I, I had to actually look up what a hurricane is. Like we all know what a hurricane right, is, right. but do we all know right. what a hurricane is? Okay. Here's what, <laughs> you're going to love this website. Here's what weatherwizkids.com mm. tells me. And they explain it in a perfectly third grade level for us to understand. If only the social security people could do that, you know? Hey, social security people, please go to weatherwizkids.com and educate yourself on how best to educate yep. us because we're yep. idiots. A hurricane, Deb, is a huge storm. It can be up to 600 miles across and have strong winds spiraling inward and upward at speeds of 75 to 200 miles per hour. Each hurricane usually lasts over a week, moving 10 to 20 miles per hour over the open ocean. Hurricanes gather heat and energy through contact with warm ocean waters. Here is essentially how a hurricane is formed. Warm weather water, more than 80 degrees provides energy for the hurricane and causes more evaporation, making humid air and clouds. The winds then come together and force air upward. So think of like a reverse tornado, okay? Winds flow outward above the storm, allowing the air below to rise. So now we got kind of like a little cyclical thing happening here. If only the cameras were on today. A lot of hand movements. A lot of hand movements going on. Well, because to be fair, for WizKids is giving me animations. Oh, I love, I love that. It. I love that. Hum- humid air rising makes the clouds of the storm. So when we see those big clouds, it's because of humidity, humidity, and then light winds outside the hurricane steer it and let it grow. So there's the huge overflow winds, mm-hmm. which are the things that are damaging it. Right. And then there's kind of lighter winds that can be susceptible, which is why nobody can ever really track mm. the, the course of the hurricane yeah. because it can be moved. Here's the thing that really F's people up. Okay. It's the wind, of course. The wind yeah. goes without saying. We can talk about like what 150 mile an hour winds can do, but the storm surge. The storm surge is that that time before the hurricane touches land where all the water kind of evaporates. Right. So it's like the hurricane is sucking it all in. And then as it gets closer, it just pushes it all back inland. It is like a tsunami. Yep. I mean, that is what it's like. Absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why people are already showing photos and videos of sharks being stranded on their front lawns oh my god because the the water has already surged so high to as to bring sea life can into it can you even it. imagine i can't imagine here's the thing well, I, li- I feel bad for the shark too send got to send it back i lived in new orleans off and on for 6 years there was always threats of hurricanes around this time of year of course but none of them ever sniffed new orleans so i never really experienced it we had Tropical storms, which which bring a ton of rain and wind, but nothing mm-hmm. equal to this, yeah, right? Yeah. And a lot of times people would just say, hey, there's some sandbagging stations or, you know, just lock your windows mm-hmm. if the winds get a little bad. This is like, this is board up your windows, sandbag the doors, yep. and pray your stuff is even around when you come back in three days. Yeah. Because based on everything we're all watching, Nobody's anticipating anything being there. Yeah, this is crazy. And yet so many people have decided to stay. And I actually heard that they're very concerned because the last couple of years, Florida has like grown, yeah. like huge. And so lots of people that are down there, I mean- Haven't have experienced it. Well, never. It, the, the size of this hurricane 
is bigger than anything that the entire United States has seen in like 100 years. Florida hasn't seen anything like this in 10 years. And we know that economic growth all over the United States has been a boondoggle in the last 10 years, especially in Florida, but especially in the regions of Florida that this hurricane is yeah. is aimed yeah. at. And so it's it's very scary. I mean, they, they tell you 150 miles per hour, it's destroying everything. It's lifting people up. It's flipping cars, telephone poles. Don't worry about that. They're going to get slammed down. If your home is made of steel, only steel. So like the framework is steel. That's the only type of home that can withstand 150 mile per hour winds. Wow. Everything else is is either going to lose a roof or get crumbled in total. Well, I heard one guy, one local guy talking on the news and he was giving really, you know, vivid instructions, telling people exactly what to do. And I thought, you know, this feels pretty elementary for Florida people, right? Right. And then he went on to say, he was explaining I really want you newcomers, the people that have only lived here for a few years, really to listen to me. And then one of the things that he said several times was, you're going to think the storm is over. The winds will stop. Do not go outside. You are in the eye of the storm. You And he was like, you will die. That's what a lot of people don't understand. The eye of the storm oftentimes is the safest part of the storm. It's the most calm. It can actually feel like all the bad stuff is over. It might be blue skies directly above you. There might be no wind around you. The eye of the storm, people have a negative connotation about. It's the best place to be in the storm. The problem is you've already had the front end of the storm yeah. more than likely come over you. And now the back end is coming up behind you too. You can't stay in the eye of the storm. That's the problem. Well, you could. You just got to walk really slow the entire time. Really slow or move left, move right. Little shuffle here, little shuffle there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a bunch of people who listen to this podcast in Florida. We are sending you all the positive vibes, saying all the prayers. I mean, it's weird because in New Orleans, if you were to flee, you would go north or right, east right. or west, and you, you can pretty much dodge it. This thing, there's no part of the state that hasn't been touched by it. Even if, even if it's just Miami getting some kind of torrential rain, like in order for you to flee, you have to flee more or less out of Florida. I think you have to go due north, but then you have to go west because you don't know where this thing is going to go. Right. I mean, typically it would hover over at least the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I think your your only safe exit, well, now there's no safe exit, but your only safe exit would have been north and then west. Yeah, because they kept showing all, the best part is the Weather Channel, unlike any other entity, can stoke fear the likes of which Ugh. is unmatched, yeah. right? And so they showed the potential paths of this hurricane. Mm -hmm. Deb, I want to say there was 67 potential paths of this hurricane. Well, here's the thing. We do know they can turn. I say it would, you know, I say it's going to cling to the East Coast, but we don't really know that. Well, it's supposed to kind of diagonally cut across the state from into like a Northwest spot, hit the water again, and then kind of bank back into Georgia. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be, if you go West, you should... In kind theory, okay. it should be fine, yeah. But, you know, also it's in the Gulf. You don't know that it's not going to turn and just stay in the Gulf. You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. could happen as well. So, the, and it's because it's so powerful, it's going to take a while. Florida is not that big across. Well, that was my, that was kind of my wonder is like, you know, all of this is predicated on water. Right. But at what point do you get to snuff out a hurricane if it doesn't have access to water? Well, because you would assume once it makes landfall, it doesn't have access to water. So then what keeps it going? So then we just see see them drizzle into tropical storms and then die. Right. I mean, I think it is the land that makes them die. Right. Yeah. But, 
you can get to the other side of Florida, and if it's still got some poop, it can keep going. For sure, it can, it can rear like up again. In theory, it could it could dwindle down to like a cat one, but if it touches water again, it could pop right back up to yeah. a cat two, and then go you know hit Georgia pretty hard. I'm telling you, it's scary stuff. Be climate safe change. out there, everyone. Yeah, be safe. We're thinking of you. Although I don't know real. that this is necessarily climate change because this is like the exact time of year that hurricanes hit. Yeah, but this is pretty severe. This may be climate change because it's so severe. I'm just going to blame that. We also have a friend named Ian, and it's fun to have a hurricane named Ian because our yeah. friend is very quiet, very docile, keeps mm-hmm. to himself, mm-hmm. doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. So it's just great that there's this huge destructive thing that people are going to reference for decades Yeah. as Ian ruined their life. So I don't know, Did he, does Ian have like, could Ian get really mad and just be, be, be a great hurricane? Oh, he could be a great hurricane. He could get really mad, but he he might get really mad and walk away, and then he would just lambast you verbally without you ever hearing it. Oh, okay. he would cut you into pieces. So you would never know it. Yeah, but man, he would slice and dice you up as he walked home. But that's not exactly a pathway of destruction. No, more self destruction than anything. <laughs> he would probably be a Cat Five self hurricane. He'd be happy to destroy himself. So all the damage is going to be done to Ian yeah, in the end. More yeah. internal. Like mm. like a therapist's, you know, perfect patient. Yeah. Oh, Ian, we're sorry. Yeah. Love you, E. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Uh, so again, everybody, please be safe out there. I mean, the stories that are going to come out over the next couple of days are going to be horrific. Yeah. The scenes are going to look like a thousand tornadoes touched down all across the state of Florida. And the flooding is going to be banana land. Yeah. But yeah. Nanoland. Well, did you see, you saw the power trucks. I mean, they're counting on. Oh, they they have something like 3.7 million meals waiting to be brought to people. 3.5 million gallons of water. They're bringing in. I mean, we know people in Colorado who are being flown in to help once once the storm passes through. Like, no, it's all hands on deck. They are fully anticipating the worst possible scenes. Our good friend, Captain Jason, is uh, he's a fireman. He's going out to help. We salute you, Captain Jason. Be safe out there. Yep. Bring your snorkels and your flippers. Um, All right. Here's one of the things that you and I have talked about, both personally and professionally lately. And we've been gearing it more professional, but I think Thursdays we tend to be a little more personal. Mm -hmm. So I figured let's talk about it. It's the five love languages. And what I don't want to touch on is just the, the love languages themselves and what they mean. I think for the most part, everybody knows that. However, we will address that. But I want to know how best to put them in use. I think people walk away simply with the information of what the languages are. And mm-hmm. they think, that's great. Now meet mine and I'll meet yours yeah. and we're good. Yeah. But there needs to be some guidance on when and how and why and where to use them applicably so that it's not like an expectation from the other partner. And it's 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 rooted in reality, meaning we can actually hit each other's love languages without necessarily speaking the same love language. If if love languages between two people are like a level, you know, a thing that that the level Oh, it's a scale. You want the scale to be balanced. You want so you don't scale, want the scale to tip too far in one direction or the other. You want everything kind of a little give, a little get, you know, yeah. get, a little give, a little get, okay? So the love languages, Gary Chapman um, was the guy that started the whole love languages thing. And really, you should read his book because I think people do themselves a disservice by going and taking the free online quiz and then just announcing that this is what they are and right. this is what they want. And then it's on other people around them to meet it. So here's the thing with love languages. And, and this was a great analogy that I heard. 
and I like it, so I use it. It's sort of like if I go to the UK and I want to spend money, I need pounds, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's pounds is what it is. If I go to, I mean, I know, well, they don't take euros anymore, so it's pounds. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I could go other places in Europe, and it would be euros. In the United States, it's dollars, and then in Canada, it's Canadian dollars, and in Mexico, it's pesos. So, okay, the Canada, it's the loonie. The loonie. Okay, there you go. So here's the thing. While I might be able to talk somebody in a foreign country to take my American dollars, mm -hmm. my American dollars really aren't worth much. Right. Just to pay with. I mean, I guess they're I can, always going to try to convert it back into their own thing. Right. And so they are going to level it out into their thing. Okay. That's mm -hmm. what they're always going to do. So if we think of these five love languages like different currency, right? They don't have the same value. If you're if I need pesos and you need dollars, right? Then it's it's not the same value. Brilliant. But it's still money. It still has value somewhere. Okay. So I think like that's one of the things we can do. So there is an online quiz, and I will tell you it's one of those tests where you kind of feel like they asked the same question 142 times. They didn't. And there's five love languages. We're going to go through them. And what it'll do is it'll tell you your love languages in order of importance. Mm -hmm. So in my case, I like my top three, the, and they give you the numbers, the percentage, were really, really close. So that made sense for me. So here's the first one, words of affirmation. So what does that mean? Does it mean that you constantly have to have your ego stroked? No. What it means is it could be something very simple like, oh, I loved what you cooked for dinner last night. Yeah. Your hair looks great today. Your hair looks great today. It could be just a simple, I love you. You smell terrific. Exactly. Just little acknowledgements. And I think sometimes the words of affirmation, that's where you get to know the person. What might work for me, if you tell me my hair looks great every day, probably going to lose some stuff after a while. You know? Yeah. My words of affirmation, you know, I think a lot would be around, I'm going to say appreciation. And a lot around, a little bit around, a little bit around achievement. If I had something that I was nervous about and I was able to like go conquer it and do it, yeah. it would make me feel good. Here's the thing you need to know about me. I don't need paragraphs, right? Correct. I just need a, ah, oh, you did a good job on that talk. I loved it. Deb right? doesn't want a monologue. I don't want a monologue. Deb wants a drive-by. And I don't want a lot of attention around it. Okay. So there's more to know than even, even that, but words of affirmation are basically what they say they are, okay? Mm -hmm. And then that is monitored. You know, like some people, I mean, maybe it really needs to be about, oh my God, you know, you're so hot, or oh my God, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, maybe that's what they need. Here's what I want to say, and this is what I think we have to be careful of. There's, I'm going to say normal, healthy love language that is satisfying, meaning you do it and I notice it, it makes me feel good. And then there are people that would maybe identify as words of affirmation, but you can never fill that bucket. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then there's an issue there other than words of affirmation. Because really, if that's how you identify and people say sweet and good things to you, it should be enough. Totally. So remember that this isn't an answer to therapy. All right. That's not what it is. Yeah. Okay. The second one is acts of service. And I think this is just like, 
giving people a helping hand. Yep. I think it's just helping carry the load. I think it's those unexpected little things people do. Bringing in the bag of groceries from the car, taking out the trash can, bringing in the mail, right? Sweeping up a little bit, maybe buying somebody a gift card, you know, getting them a massage, the small stuff, the sweet stuff, the things that people don't have to do themselves or weren't anticipating. Well, what did we do? In fact, I was trying to remember what we did. What did we do that made the lady across the street bring a bottle of wine to us? Oh, you brought in her trash can. Oh, I brought, is that what I did? Yeah. It had something to do with the trash can. It had something to do with the trash. But anyways, she was just like, oh my God, right? And she brought us a bottle of wine. You know, when an older woman used to live there, you would go shovel, which was the sweetest thing in the world. Oh, that's right. I was a nice guy. You were a nice kid. Yeah, Yeah, you you did a good job. So I think it's those kinds of little things. Can it be a big thing? Of course. But I also think sometimes with acts of service, like an unexpected thing is is really, really meaningful. Okay. Um, Number three is gifts. Gifts is an interesting thing because I do think when you take this quiz over time, like younger people are different than older people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Listen, people of all ages love gifts. I like gifts for me resonated more strongly when I was younger. For sure. Um, They don't now. And it's not that I don't like gifts. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in terms of does a gift mean somebody loves me? Not necessarily. Do you I, would, know what I, mean? I, I agree with that. Gifts to me, and I listen, I know people who gifts is their number one. Yep. Still red flags to me. Yeah. Gifting, like you providing an individual with a commodity and that's how they gauge their love for you, even, even in the smallest amount, is somewhat worrisome to me. Now, as you said, as we mature, because I'm the same way, like I would have very much enjoyed gifts growing up. I would have said I was in my mid-20s when I realized I really didn't care if anybody ever got me anything. Right. Because it always felt somewhat uh, hollow. Like, I appreciate that. Like, I'd lo- I more enjoyed the fact that somebody thought of me, somebody went out of their way to get me something more than the end game of the gift itself because I also can see that that goes sideways mm-hmm. to where if your number one is gifting and you and you find a partner who loves providing you gifts, but then they think that's all they need to do is stuff, 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 you with stuff, then you're like, wait a minute, where where's the substance to this relationship? And I get all of this is on a spectrum and everybody can be any of these at any point in time in life, but gifting as you get older feels a little worrisome to me. So it was really interesting because I read a couple of articles on gifting for the love language. And in every article or every blog I read, people, when they referred to gifts, I'm going to say talked about people that were, I'm going to say 22, 23 and younger, which was interesting. They weren't talking about people in their 40s or 50s, right? Yeah. But I also want to say this about the gifts. And I think this is a big deal. If you went to the grocery store, and without any prompting, picked up my favorite kombucha, I would consider that a gift. Oh, sure. That would be like, oh, and it would almost go into acts of service for me a little bit, if that makes sense. I think of like, because I said, like, if you got somebody a massage, I don't think a massage is a gift. I think it's like, you're tired, you need rest, go get this so that you can be better for the day tomorrow, Mm -hmm. which would be no different than like bringing in a trash can. I've saved you time, I've saved you stress. I do think something that's like tangible, like a kombucha, is totally a gift, right? It's on the exact same scale as buying somebody a car. It's a thing. It's an item. It's presented to you. 
Right. So, but I also want to say like with gifts, because I think it, it is you're filling an emotional bank a little bit is what you're doing. But it, it shouldn't be like, we're not talking about it needs to be a diamond necklace. No. I mean, it needs to just be thoughtful. You know, I mean, something really thoughtful. Um, so number four is quality time. And quality time is really interesting because if you talk to people that um, identify with quality time, it doesn't mean we need to be together all day. You really need to pay attention to the word quality. So if you stopped in the middle of your day and let's say you and a coworker went to the coffee room and you had, I'm just going to say a 10 minute chai set and visited and really like we're one-on-one got lost in some great conversation. That would be it. 10 minutes. It worked. And so quality time is not us being tied at the hip. Quality time is not about the length of time. It's about what we're doing when we are together and what satisfies the person that values quality time. Quality time is mine because I can find quality time anywhere. I can make quality time out of nothing. It can be for five hours or it can be for five minutes. I can have my cup overfloweth with quality time. And and I doubt that person on the other end of it even understands that. And I think the biggest thing about quality time that I would say to make it quality is that whatever you plan, whatever you do, you're doing it without distractions. Yeah, I would agree I think that that would be the important thing. Okay, and then here we have the last one that is gonna be, certainly in our personal lives, this is not an issue, but we talk about some of these in our business lives as well, so this will be a funny one. So physical touch. There are people that love, I'm just going to say, to be touched, you know? And I think you have to be careful personally and professionally with physical touch because I do think there are people that are just huggers. They'll hug anybody, anytime, and they'll hang on for a little bit too long, but it feels good to them, right? Like, I'm a hugger, but I mean, if I don't know you at all, I'm probably not a hugger. I'm probably not going to go in for that hug, okay? I'm a handshake guy. Um, I'm a handshake person if it's, you know, if I don't know you. The other part of it is, um, like, I just think you have to be aware. It's kind of like you have to be able to read the room. You have to be able to read the people, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, here's the thing about hugs that I don't like. And if you do this, I'm sorry. And if you've done this for me, I didn't like it. And now you know. I, so you know when somebody comes in for a hug? Somebody nuzzles in your neck a little bit. Well, I don't know if that bothers me. Gives you a little. But do you know the people that actually lay their head on your shoulder? No, because nobody can do that for me. Okay, well, that's a thing. You give somebody a hug and they'll actually lay their head on your shoulder. That is not a thing. Our heads are supposed to stay yeah. necks up. I'm not the therapist's yeah, couch. Get yeah. off me. You're not my child. Yeah. I, no, like, no. This isn't a tender moment. I'm just saying, hi, I met you 30 minutes ago. Yeah, and so like, I think even with physical hu- hugs, Jeremy and her physical touch, There are boundaries and you have to be able to read the room. Certainly men cannot be, if if physical touch is their thing, they cannot be touching all the women of the world. I mean, that's not ever going to fly. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys out here who be like, yes, I have the green light. And definitely not in the workplace, even if that is her thing. Yeah, in the workplace, it's a high five or a butt slap. That's it. No butt slaps in the workplace. Got it. But here's the thing. You know, a guy, if he... I don't think any woman minds if a guy like gently touches her arm. I mean, like, you know, like shoulderish or something like that. Right. But I also have to say, this is where you have to be careful because there are people who are anti-touch. I mean, really don't like it. And if you have a woman that really doesn't like it, 
and a guy that does, that can be miscommunication hell. Do you know what I mean? That can be really, really bad. So I think I was, uh, when we were in New York City, we did a thing a little bit on this. And this one girl was like, hugger over here, anybody, anytime, anyplace. And I think that's almost, if you are that kind of person. She still asked for consent, though. Yeah, she did ask for consent. I think you have to kind of announce that. I think you kind of have to let that be known. Also, we had a friend that we made fun of because she's like, don't touch me. Do you know what I mean? And we're like, "Mm, okay. I mean, that's kind of how I am. Listen, my girlfriend is physical touch all the way. She would try to tell you that she's words of affirmation. It is physical touch morning, noon, and night. She koala bears me. She would hang on me if she could 24-7. I mean, but it's true. And the other day, like she she was giving me a hug and I had finish a text. And she started <laughs> laughing. I said, if I paused do all my work because you were giving me a hug, I'd never get anything done. But she knows that like that's her thing. She knows that that's not necessarily my love language, but that I need it for her if and when I can. But there are times I've looked at her and I said, too much. Like we've, we've crossed the threshold today. Yeah. You have, you have gotten a month's worth of physical touch out of me. I need a little bit of just me in my chamber of solitude yeah. Yeah. right now. Yeah. And she gets that. She, yeah. She's usually great with that. So so what I want to say, we're talking about healthy doses of all these things. We're not talking about somebody that is emotionally broken and that you can take their love language and still feel like you are never filling their cup. Okay? Yep. That is a separate thing. So if somebody, if words of affirmation are like their number one, and I'm going to say... Um, quality time is their number five. Don't be asking them for qual- for coffee dates. Right. It doesn't matter right. because you can walk by them and go, "Hey, love how you worked on that project," or "Thanks so much for unloading the dishwasher." I mean, or you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. or whatever you it is you did. That mini skirt be bussing, fam. You look fabulous. Like I love your new color hair. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. I mean. The other things, it's like trying to spend pesos here. It just doesn't work. It doesn't have the same value. There's a great paragraph here from a, from a website because I think this puts kind of into perspective what these love languages are really meant for and how they can be utilized. The idea of love languages is one possible way to address conflicts or emotional distance in a relationship. But like any communication tool, it only works in a healthy relationship. Love languages can be something that helps bring you closer together and learn to understand each other more, not something that leaves you feeling drained or exhausted. So you don't get to be the person who says, meet my language, meet my language, meet my language at the detriment of your partner. If you find that no matter what you say or do, your partner is not satisfied, they are critical or dismissive of your attempt to show love in the relationship. Those could be red flags that your relationship is emotionally abusive. Learning your partner's love language should not be a chore. And if it feels bad or overly difficult, that could be a sign that there are some underlying issues in your relationship that need to be addressed. I view the five love languages as supplemental, meaning they are the things that you can do as almost a get out of jail free card on a very micro Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, if your person says that there's some distance between you, they're probably a physical touch person or a quality time person. You got to figure out what that is. And now you know, Okay, I need to hold their hand more. I need to hug on them more. I need to like be in their general vicinity more because 
I've been traveling for the last two weeks. Or we need to have coffee in the morning before I go to work. Exactly. Right? Or if your person is gifts, like I'm not saying that you should go out there and buy a tennis bracelet every day, but hey, maybe string together a couple days with flowers. Maybe string together a couple days by bringing their favorite Starbucks to work, right? right. Whatever that is, it, they're little bits of cheat codes that help you kind of write the ship. They are not meant to be gospel of what every minute of every hour of every day is supposed to be like. Well, because it is one of those things like dad's love language, I'm going to say that he loved to give, were acts of service. It was always acts of service. And I mean generous, mm -hmm. beyond generous. But if that wasn't my thing, then it really just falls. Yep. He's not giving the he's not getting the credit he should be getting. I'm not appreciating it the way I should be appreciating it. And I'm still left feeling a little bit empty, right? Totally. And so I do think it's it's a guide. I think it's a beautiful guide, but I agree with you. Nobody should be exhausted from it. I look at it like, um, and this is one one talk that I gave. I used this example. I said, listen, let's go back to the gift of the magi, you know, where the woman cut her hair and the man sold his watch and all that. I mean, it's an act of sacrifice in there, meaning I'll step out of my comfort zone to do something for you that is not natural for me. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. And that is the beauty. The beauty is not whatever the thing actually is. Yeah. The beauty is that I stepped out of my natural comfort zone and went and did something that I believed would speak to you. I totally agree. And I think this is where we take these five love languages and we put them back on the individual, which is you don't get to then like weaponize these. You don't get right. to say, this is who I am because this might be who you are overall, but you change with the yes. current of the day yes. and you change over life. And so it's probably best to take this test every like three or four years and see where you're at. And yeah. if it's consistent, awesome. But what you don't get to do is say, now that we both know each other's love languages, if you don't hit mine, we're going to have an issue. It's still up to your partner to give that to you in, in a free flowing, authentic way. And, and there has to be learned if, if I'm dating somebody whose love language is gifting and I, it's number five for me, it is going to take time for me yeah. to understand and to consciously think about giving them something right. that's meaningful right. in, in whatever financial capacity, right? So what you don't get to do is harp on that person if they're not meeting it to the to the likes that you would want it met. You have to think, is this realistic? And, and are my expectations realistic for my love language, for my partner to be able to meet? Because what that person is really doing is with that information, we're asking them to step outside their comfort zone mm -hmm. and we're asking them to develop a new habit. Yep. You know, that is only for you. That is only for you. So to me, it's the only for you part yep. that the gesture, no matter what it is, should matter and should stick like glue. Those should be the things that we remember. Those sweet little things that we're basically saying through this quiz matter to us. Love it. And if we act like they don't, then we've kind of lost the purpose of it. Have we talked about, uh, we don't have time for it today, but have we talked about, uh, I feel like we have apology languages. I, I don't think we have like this, and I think we should, because I think they're super powerful. Let's do that next week. Okay, let's do the let's apology do languages next right. week. Because I believe that the apology languages, because we're human beings and mm -hmm. we're all fallible and we all make mistakes, are oftentimes far more important than the love languages, because where you meet someone after you've done wrong by them 
is pretty much going to set the tone of how you move forward. And I will tell you for years when we were younger, dad, they didn't have the apology languages in the beginning. And dad is a terrible, it just kills him to say he's sorry, admit he was wrong. Um, I'm sort of happy to apologize because I want it to get over. Same. But I think the same, but what happened was, I don't believe that I was apologizing to a way that was meaningful to him. Mm. And he certainly was not apologizing to a way that was meaningful to me in yep. a way. And so then what ends up happening, the words are said, but you, you're you not satisfied. That wound's never fully yes, cauterized. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I do want to say this. You know, you can go online, you can Google love languages. You don't have to buy the book, though I think buying the book is good because it gives you the real explanation. Mm-hmm. You can take a free quiz. You can do it for the apology languages. And there is a book that I like that I'm reading right now, and it's called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. Oh, I love it. And so it'll tell you, because you do have to apply them differently. And originally, Gary Chapman said, when they did the assessment for the workplace, they left out physical touch. Mm. But then they felt like they were missing something. So when they did the new definition of physical touch and how it would work, it was the least one that people cared about because even people that in their personal lives love physical touch, like in the workplace, were like, not so much. You know what I mean? I can leave that at the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's an HR nightmare. Somebody who's HR nightmare. Professional love language is personal touch. I mean, it's kind of firm handshake. It's like a high five. Yeah. It is like, I mean, like a little fist bump. Deep, meaningful body to body hug for 10 minutes. If you really... (laughs) A good, good work friend, maybe a hug, yeah. but yeah, no, it's weird. All right. You actually earlier this week said Howard Schultz came out yeah. and said Starbucks has lost its way. Lost it, And I love that. I mean, that's strong. Which I think is totally fair because I don't even equate Starbucks to a coffee shop anymore. Starbucks is its own entity that sells beverages and it really sells Frankenstein beverages that oh, derive from sure. coffee, right? Because it's something like, what did you say? 70% of- 70% of their revenue is derived from something that has to be made in a blender. Horrifying. 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 Well, and also too, now people go, I mean, you talk about, well, also too, what was interesting was uh, another just random statistic was for all of you that order like an extra shot or an extra pump of syrup or whatever, that little extra, just those extras we add is a billion dollars in revenue annually yeah. to Starbucks. But- Starbucks was is designed and still is for baristas making drinks at a machine. Right. And the whole mixer thing, the Frappuccino deal, yep. is throwing a wrench into everything totally. because they the staffing is entirely different. Because it's it's more of a, a juice bar it is. construct than Which it is, is a coffee bar. Intense. For sure. Yeah, it's intense. You've got to move away from the machine. I can remember the day. You've got to assemble things. You've got yeah. to turn around. You've got to put it in there. you got to come back. you got to make drinks. you got to go back. you got to put whipped cream on top of it. It's not And then you've got to clean the thing. Yep. I mean, people don't have 42 blenders, no. you know? So in the old days, it was just this, people took the order, and that they there would be sometimes two people at a machine, and they are just, I mean, they don't even look up. Well, and they made the machines fully automated for that reason, because they could yeah. control more or less every element of a coffee. The quality of the drink, they yeah. They can't do that on a smoothie. On, not on a smoothie. Or a frappuccino, I guess. Well, and I do remember when Starbucks, 1971 in Seattle, when Starbucks was only coffee. And I mean, what Starbucks did is Starbucks introduced us 
to Italian coffees. Mm -hmm. We were just drinking coffee, black, I mean, coffee out of a pot, black or cream and sugar. I mean, that was it. And then they introduced us to lattes. They introduced us to cappuccinos. They introduced us to real macchiatos, not those caramel frappuccino things. I mean, all a little dopios, all those. They introduced us to good coffee, and then they went haywire. Well, until they correct the ship and figure out what to do, here are a list of their fall menu items. You tell me if you would drink any of them. Okay. Now, of course, there's a, an infinite amount of derivatives that you yourself could make, but these are the things that are actually on their fall menu. Okay. All right. This one I feel like you would drink. Iced pumpkin spice latte. Well, again, I've never really had a pumpkin spice latte. We, uh, how uh, again? That I'm I am delinquent on having not gotten you one. Yeah, so I probably honestly wouldn't order it. Would you prefer? So we're gonna do a pumpkin spice latte review okay. live on the podcast. Would you oh, prefer good. it be hot or iced? <sighs> I think I want to try it hot the first time. Okay. Okay. And we're so, just gonna do it because obviously it was Starbucks who created it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do just quintessential pumpkins, but like, like however gonna, they make it, however they make it. Oh, see, here's the, here's the thing. I get weird in almost any coffee shop. Um, like at home, we have a couple sugar-free mm-hmm. Tarani syrups, but when I can add it, cause I had very, very little. Oh no, they had a lot, a lot, a lot. That's the reason. And like, I love good coffee. So when you take away the good coffee, I'm not very happy. That's why they've lost their way. Yeah. All right. So, Deb has no opinion on this, but we are going to have her drink okay. one. Okay. And you want it hot. The Harry Potter pumpkin juice. It's apple juice with pumpkin spice sauce added to it. No, no, nope. not even. You hate it. Not, I would not go to Starbucks and get that. You hate it. How about an apple crisp oat milk macchiato? No, that's not even a thing. Uh, apple spice syrup, oat milk, brown sugar flavored, and cinnamon. It doesn't even have any coffee in it. It's called a macchiato. Well, I mean, there's coffee in it, but it's just... Everything else is in it, too. Does everybody know what a macchiato is? No, I guarantee nobody knows what a macchiato, a macchiato is. A, a real Italian macchiato. A macchiato is like a double espresso. In a little doppio cup. In a little doppio cup with like a, it's called a stain, a stain of milk, yeah. which means like if you had cappuccino foam, you might take a little baby dollop and stick it there. That's it. It is, that's wrong. It's plagiarism and it's worst. And by def- definition, it's not it. This is the most wound up I've seen Deb about any topic we've ever discussed <laughs> on the podcast in 200 plus episodes. How about a little Starbucks owl cake pop? No. It's cute. Cake pop. Here's the thing. It's pink. I, I've seen cake pops made. People take stuff and wad it up in their hand into a ball. Well, they take cake and they add frosting. And then they just mash it together. Yeah. That, so it's cake so after gross. you've chewed it. Yes. Yes. you're now eating. No, it's yeah. wrong. All right. Ice pumpkin chai. I could probably do that. I think you would actually like yeah, that. Because I love good chai. Yep. Now we're getting into more food. Pumpkin cream cheese muffin. That well, I mean, if I could eat a muffin, I would probably That's what I'm eat saying. it. Yeah. yeah. It's not like the newest item, but man, it, I, no, it, pumpkin, it's only seasonal. It listen, looks great. Pumpkin, cream cheese, muffin. Yeah. Those are three great words. Love it. Pumpkin patch latte. What they do is they uh, How's that it's a pumpkin, than the pumpkin spice latte, okay. but they add two scoops of matcha to it. No, 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 no. See now, Deb's upset that they're bastardizing a beautiful Japanese drink. Yes, yes. There's, then there's just the traditional pumpkin spice latte, the hot version. Uh, iced apple crisp oat milk macchiato. No, that offends me as well. 
<laughs> Apple and Howard oat and cinnamon and brown me. sugar and the Starbucks blonde espresso. It looks, it's got that beautiful kind of waterfall effect. Well, it's and I'm going to say, they did the blonde espresso, yeah. which is the lightest roast coffee they have. You can't even taste the coffee in that thing. How about a pumpkin scone? Well, okay, I have made or pumpkin a scone. If you're nasty. I have made pumpkin scones. Have you? Yes, I've made pumpkin spice scones. Here's the thing, you've got to be very careful because you really want the flavor of the pumpkin, mm-hmm. but the scone can't be too wet. I mean, so it's a real serious balance. Um, but I'm telling you, when you do them right, they're fabulous. I don't think you've ever had a scone that you didn't make that you actually enjoyed after you've created what is arguably the best scone. I make the best scones yeah. in the world. Deb has tried endless amounts of scones mm-hmm. after she has seriously perfected the the recipe for scones, and none of them have been good. Yeah, a lot of the times they're just cake. And are, they're either cake or they're really dry and crumbly, yeah. or like a like a biscuit. Like when people say biscuit. I don't like scones, yeah. I want to say you haven't had a good one. Okay, here you go. We know she's going to hate this one. Pumpkin spice frappuccino. No. Miss no, her no. with that. Yeah. How about a pumpkin cream cold brew? So it's cold brew. Yeah. With some kind of fake dairy product that they put pumpkin in. So yeah, they take some of the pumpkin syrup. They combine yeah. it with some milk. They froth it up so that when you pour it over the cold brew, again, yeah. no. no, you hate it. Uh, how about pumpkin and pepita loaf? Like a loaf of bread with pumpkin and pepita seeds. Is it like a quick bread or like a yeast yeah, bread? Yeah, like a pound bread. Oh, yeah. I, I would pound probably cake. eat that. It looks good, too. I think this is one of those breads where if you got it home, you'd, cut, you'd slice pieces of it. Then you should butter it and you should f- fry it real quick in a pan and get that crunch oh, yeah. on it. So Kevin loves to do that with Ugh. zucchini bread and pumpkin bread. I will say, I eat when I eat gluten, that Costco, their lemon loaf is one of the best things on the planet. Fantastic. Yeah. So tasty. The sugar content. Oh, it is like, there's probably nothing real in there, but it's fabulous. All right, last one. Apple crisp oat milk frappuccino. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to come down on this Yeah, no. Sounds more like a candle. This is where Howard is right. It's true. They have lost their way. There is nothing coffee-ish in there. I will say this. It is funny because there is a threshold with a coffee shop, meaning you can only add so much to your menu before you're no longer a coffee shop. And I think, like we go to what, we go to what people would proudly call coffee shops, you and I mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong, like there are some bastardized drinks. Like one of the places we go to is a vanilla, has a vanilla lavender latte, which Fabulous. is delicious. Yeah. It's delicious. And listen, I know that's not a purist drink, but yeah. it is phenomenal but you can taste the coffee but what they don't do they don't really they don't let you use the lavender anywhere else they don't no. like that they, they only have vanilla and simple syrup yeah so they have taken this idea that like okay we're going to kind of cater to the bottom of the barrel starbucks generation by doing a fufu drink yep. a little bit yep but they don't let that fufu drink spread anywhere outside of itself. No, there's a set menu of like three or four drinks mm-hmm. that's it also too what do they do they make homemade lavender simple syrup. Sure. Somebody's actually crafting that, That's right? True. They do, um, the vanilla isn't like syrupy syrupy. It's a thing that they concoct. Agreed. Like, a sim- like part of a simple syrup. It's probably the lavender and vanilla together. It does not reek of vanilla, nor no. does it reek of lavender. Coffee still comes through very strong. It's, a, it's, it's just a, a kiss more than a hint. Yeah, exactly. It's there without it being it's, forward. There's a little sweet thing, yeah. not too much. And then those things are in the background of the coffee. So my, my question is, I wonder, like, how many syrups can you offer before you're like, 
not a coffee shop anymore. Well, like, because the traditional syrups are vanilla, caramel, and hazelnut, and yeah. then chocolate if you're if you're making and, a mocha. Yeah, but then you can do derivatives sugar free, right? Then right. there's the seasonal. There's the pumpkin spice. There's the peppermint. There's the gingerbread, right? Then there's then there's fruit syrups that you can uh, uh, yeah that you can put in places too. It it's a slippery slope, and we know it from the restaurant. Yeah. Like you can get we a lot of syrups, syrups yep, and yep. all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, we're not making lattes anymore. Well, and what I would say, you know, in the very beginning, I think Starbucks only carried well, and and, and of course, Tarani called their almond syrup or gay o r g e a t. Yeah, it wasn't even called almond. No, you know, it was great, and um. So there were those there were those I'm going to say four syrups, right? That I felt like they meshed with coffee. Oh, totally. But all you did we didn't even put a full pump. You just put barely. It was like a little sweet with a little thing. You watch Starbucks and it is four or five pumps. Oh, of no, this I think stuff. if it's a flavored drink, it, I think it's the baseline depending on the size. Like the venti, I think the baseline is seven pumps. Oh my god. It's crazy. Well, first of all, nobody needs those calories. No. Listen, I'm excited to see what Howard will do because I would love nothing better. We've got a Starbucks so close to us and I actually like that Starbucks. Agreed. Um, I would love nothing better than hanging out at Starbucks and drinking real coffee. Dang. Deb's yearning for those yesteryears. Yeah. Yep, I am. And now because we've incited Deb into a furious rage, <laughs> we're going to end this Thursday's podcast. Remember to like, rate, and re- review wherever you listen to this podcast and you can follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev Pod. Mom, despite you mashing your teeth and slamming your fists on the desk because nobody knows what a macchiato is anymore, I love you to death. I love you, baby. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening to the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev Pod.